0: Thank you, Stan and Phil. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you for sharing that with us. We need to thank our children, too. Our children have prepared uh, pictures, I think, for uh, cards. They prepared cards for all the veterans, and uh, we are so thankful for the work that they did in doing that. Let's give them a round of applause. Appreciate that. And now there's some of them are going to go out for Children's Church. Uh, Sandy Atkinson is in the back and some others. So if you would like to go to Children's Church, just head to the back of the sanctuary. And let's pray together as they go. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us and for this time to worship together as a church family. Thank you for this service and all that it is meant We hope, Lord, that it has been a blessing to each one and a blessing to you. We thank you as the author of life, the author of all freedom, and for the great honor and privilege it is that you've given us to live in this free place. But we know it's not for selfish purposes you've given us this freedom. It's that we might live for you and share you with the world. And so, Lord, help us to always take seriously our responsibility to use the freedom we have in order to honor your name and that your name might be shared to the ends of the earth. We pray your blessings now as we open the Bible, speak to our hearts, and, Lord, lead us if there are decisions that we need to make for you. And we pray you'll bless our children as they, too, learn about your love. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, let's turn to John fifteen thirteen for a few moments and look at this verse that Jesus uh, said to his disciples. He said these words not long before his own death. And so he was doing everything he could to prepare them for the fact that he was going to die. And then what would come next after his resurrection? They would then be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And on this Veterans Day, we have been thinking about giving thanks for those who have sacrificed so much, who have paid a dear price for the freedom that we have tomorrow, actually being Veterans Day. Uh, and you, I, I think you know the story of Veterans Day. It was first Armistice Day, remember? World War I ended on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, November 11th, 1918. So 101 years ago tomorrow, World War I ended. And that was called the Armistice. And Armistice Day was observed to give thanks for all the veterans of that great war, what was called the Great War, until World War II happened. And then you had not only the Great War, but you had so many veterans who came home from World War II and then Korea. And so President Woodrow Wilson declared November 11th to be Armistice Day, and that uh, then became Veterans Day. Dwight Eisenhower changed it from Armistice Day to Veterans Day to remember and give thanks and honor all veterans from all of America's wars, not just particularly from World War I. And so each year we honor those who have so selflessly served. When you think about it, the, the youth of our country, uh, these guys and, and ladies who lined up in front here, uh, they're not as young as they used to be i'm not i'm not cast i'm not either i'm not casting stones but you know most of them when they served they were 18 19 20 21 years old they were very very young at least when they began their service some of them served for a career but imagine starting out they gave years of their life and their early life to serve the country. And that is a selfless act. Uh, they gained a lot from it. They learned a lot. They, they did a lot. They experienced a great deal. Some of it were very painful. But yet it shaped them and helped them to become the wonderful people that they are. But they gave. We should never forget how much they gave in service to our country and so we remember that service and honor it today as a church family and when we think about a selfless act or selfless service there's no greater example of that than our Lord himself as Jesus shared these words with his disciples he was preparing to enter the greatest battle of all the spiritual battle Between good and evil, heaven and hell, stepping in the gap for us so that we might be set free. Not just set free uh, for the time we're on this earth, but for all of eternity. And so he gave himself for us. And these are the words he said. Look at John 15. I'm going to start at verse 9 and read through verse 17. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you these things. I command you that you love one another. So we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to follow this great command of Jesus, and that is that we love one another. And that we be willing to lay down our lives in service to him. There is no greater love than a willingness to sacrifice. To lay down your very life in the order that others might live. We all have a life to give. We've heard and seen of of our veterans. The life that they gave. Part of their life they gave to serve our nation. To serve us. And to serve the cause of freedom itself. And we have a life to give too. You may never have been in the military. But you as a Christian are in the Lord's army. Did you know that? And you are called to a lifetime of service. And then when we go to heaven someday we're going to be serving there too. The same God that we serve now. The same Lord Jesus we're going to serve forever. And so we have a life. To give. And those two words should go together. Life and give. We're not. God didn't give us life that we might be selfish. He didn't give us life to live unto ourselves alone. We are to live our lives for God. And God through us would use us to love others. In the way that Jesus has loved us. And has loved all who will come to him all who have the opportunity to give their life to Him. And that, of course, He seeks to draw all men unto Himself, but not everybody is going to receive that great gift. But God has given us all a life that we can give. We still believe that God is the author of all life. There are a lot of people that don't believe that anymore. Uh, They think that, you know, we're just accidents, and, frankly, sometimes we kind of act like we're accidents waiting to happen, don't we? But we're not accidentally here. We're here intentionally. God made you. He knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. And so he is the author of your life. And that means that your life has purpose. It has meaning. And that life is to be lived for God, to love him, and to love other people and so the question is who are we serving we're all serving someone or some cause every single person it's not a matter of whether you serve who do you serve what do you serve your life should be lived as a sacrifice for God and for his kingdom and for the the people that he wants to reach so very much So often people take the life that God has given them and use it for purely selfish ends. There is no love. There's no love for God. There's no love for other people. That is a wasted life. That is a life that has missed the point. That has missed the mark. Which is what sin means, right? The word sin means to miss the mark. And when a life is under the control of sin, it is missing the point, the the point for which they were made and what life is really all about. And so Jesus here is saying to the disciples and to all who would ever follow him, I'm commanding you. This is not an option. This is what you're here for as a Christian, to love one another. And then he added, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down your life for your friends. And then he said, I have called you friends. So Jesus was about to lay down his life for us, wasn't he? So when he said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends, he was talking about himself too, primarily. And then we are to follow that example, to live our lives in service and in sacrifice. Jesus stepped forward. God stepped into human history through the person of Jesus Christ and took on flesh. We're going to be celebrating that and observing that very shortly all through the Christmas season. He did that so that he could stand in the gap for us. He loves you Jesus loves you. Look at verses 9 through 12. Jesus gave his life because he loves you. He just comes out and says, as the Father has loved me, loved me, I also have loved you. And so the great children's uh, hymn that used to be learned, I think it still is, among Christian families, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Why, do, why was that song written? Because Jesus said, I love you. I have loved you. Jesus loves you. And that is the basis of all life, really. He made us because he loves us. He came and gave his life because he loves us. He will forgive our sin because he loves us. And now we live our lives in service to him and to others because Jesus loves us. And we have experienced His love. We are commanded to love as He loved us. Now, how did Jesus love us? Unconditionally, right? I mean, Jesus died for our sin. He didn't say, now, if you've committed certain sins, uh, uh, it's too late for you. I'm not going to die for those sins. He died for all of us, for all sin, for all time, unconditionally. And then he says, whosoever will may come. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so that's how Jesus has loved us. And he tells us to love others the way that he's loved us. And so that means we have to be willing to look beyond the fault in others and see their need like Jesus did us. And be willing to say, if Jesus would forgive a dirty, rotten sinner like me, then he'll forgive others. And therefore, I need to be willing to forgive. I need to be willing to love and care for other people who have failed just like I have failed. Because Jesus loved me in my sin and forgave me when I called on his name. We are commanded to love as he loved us. Now, how did that love, what shape did it take? It may sound familiar to some of the the things we heard from our veterans. Jesus left comfort and safety, didn't he? He left heaven. He didn't have to leave heaven and come to earth, but he did. Because he loved us. His love drove him. He was willing to leave comfort and safety for us. He was willing to do whatever it took to accomplish the Father's mission. The mission was to pay for sin so that we might be forgiven. To purchase us back from Satan and death and hell. Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to accomplish that mission. He took on flesh. He lived a sinless life in a sinful world. He was willing to endure hardship and humiliation to save us. That's what his love for us was like. And he was willing to literally die in our behalf. And he did die for us. To win freedom for us. That we might be free from sin. And that we might have eternal life. This is the kind of love that Jesus has for us. And we're called to live that kind of life, willing to leave comfort and safety, willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission of taking the gospel to all people, willing to endure hardship and, if necessary, humiliation, and willing to lay down our life for Him. Now, lay down your life can mean You die like Jesus did or like many of our uh, fallen heroes in American history. They've been willing to literally die and they did die. So lay down your life for some means to die physically. And there are great heroes of our Christian faith who have gone to their death because they were serving Jesus and sharing his love with people. But also, you lay down your life as a Christian. We are to do that every day. I die daily. That's what really should be true in your life and mine. We die to self. We die to sin so that we might live to God and that our life might really be His life being lived through us. Didn't Paul say that he had already been crucified with Christ? It wasn't him living anymore. It was Christ living in him. And that should be true for all of us as Christians. And so to lay down your life as a follower of Jesus does not always mean you're physically going to die in that service. But it should mean every day we die to self. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish what God wants our life to accomplish in sharing Him with the world, and then this statement in verse thirteen: greater love. Think about that. Keep that in your mind. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down His life for His friends. We're to love as Jesus loved us, but then Jesus, He He uh, lifted that love by saying. The greatest love, greater love, is when we're willing to lay down our life for others. It would only be days before Jesus lived that out when he actually laid down his life for each one of us. And in a very real sense, this is what the Christian life is. It is greater love. We've received that greater love, and now we share it. We live it out In our own lives. So it's not just soldiers who are called to serve. They have served. They have served wonderfully. And they continue to serve. God is not finished with them yet. But you know what? As a Christian, God is not finished with you yet either. And your service is still very important to God. And He wants to use you to be a blessing. To others. The AmericanHeritage.com site, I was reading there the other day, and I was reading about Nathan Hale. I don't know if they still teach kids about Nathan Hale in school anymore, but he has always been a great hero in American history. On the morning of September 22nd, 1776, he was executed. He was hanged. Nathan Hale was just 21 years old, much like these veterans who lined up across here when they were serving in the military, or at least began their service. They were very young. He was very young. He was a captain. And he was uh, basically arrested for being a spy. He was trying to find out what the British were going to do in the area of New York. And so he was arrested and... As recorded by a British officer, Captain John Montresor, this is what it says about Nathan Hale. This is what he recorded about Nathan Hale. Sir William Howe, without the form of a trial, gave orders for his execution the morning after he was captured. He was placed in the custody of the provost marshal who was hardened to human suffering and every softening sentiment of the heart. Captain Hale, alone, without sympathy or support, save that from above, on the near approach of death, asked for a clergyman to attend him. It was refused. He then requested a Bible. That, too was refused by his inhuman jailer. Now this is what the British this is what the British soldier said on the morning of his execution. My station was near the fatal spot and I requested the Provost Marshal to permit the prisoner to sit in my marquee while he was making the necessary preparations. Captain Hale entered. He was calm and bore himself with gentle dignity in the consciousness of rectitude and high intentions. He asked for writing materials, which I furnished him. He wrote two letters. He was shortly after summoned to the gallows. But a few persons were around him, yet his characteristic dying words were remembered. He said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Do you remember that? you remember learning those words? Nathan Hale's last words, I only regret. He was 21 years old. Think of all that he could have regretted he was about to miss. But what he said was, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. He should always be remembered. A great soldier... And a great patriot. That is an example. Of selfless sacrifice. Now. Even if we've never served in the military. But we're followers of Jesus. I think the Lord would have us. To have that kind of attitude. About our lives. That we only regret. That we don't have more. That we can give away. In service to Jesus. We only have this one life, but we do have this one life that we can lose, that we can, we can surrender, we can give away for the name of Jesus Christ that he might be known by all, that they might have the opportunity to give their life for him. Just 21 years old, Nathan Hale had a life to give, and he gave it. He gave it. And we're still talking about that today. It's still reverberating. When you are willing to give your life away for a cause greater than yourself, it has ongoing effect and implications. And when we give our lives away for the cause of Christ, it has eternal implications. So we're called to give ourselves away. Before I close, I often think on Veterans Day, of one of the finest men I've ever known, and, and uh, some of you had the privilege of knowing him too. A veteran who was right here in this church, who was also a preacher, a man named Don Maples. Don served as a very young man. He served as, for his career in the Air Force. He had two heart attacks. He had a heart attack not long after the age of 40, I think, if I remember correctly. Had heart surgery in 1977, I want to say, somewhere in that range. It was pretty new then, wasn't it? He survived that. Had another one, I think, in 1985. And those of you who knew Don knew that he 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 had difficulty because of all of that that he went through with heart surgery. But he just kept serving. Every day he just served and he served. And there were many days when you could tell he couldn't hardly put one foot in front of the other. But he kept going. He kept serving. He not only had served our country, but he saw his life as his job to serve the Lord. And he did it literally until he couldn't serve anymore, until life ended on this earth. That is what we're called to be and to do. God is not finished with us yet. All of you wonderful veterans, God is still using you, and he will continue to use you until you draw your last breath. He wants you to be an honor to his name. And I'm so thankful for the great example that you are. And all of us as Christians, we are called to serve until we draw our last breath. And then to only regret that we don't have more that we can do for the name of Jesus. One life to give. Let's make sure we give it. Let's give it for Jesus and for his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the love you have poured out upon us. We can't even completely comprehend it. We understand enough to be able to receive it, but we'll never get to the bottom of it, Lord. We are so grateful that you loved us when we were completely undeserving of any of that love. And that, Jesus, you came and gave your life for us. Now, Lord, we count it a privilege to be called upon to follow you. And in this time of decision, Lord, if we need to commit ourselves afresh and anew to giving our lives away for you, may this be the moment that we do that. There may be someone here who's not a a Christian. They've never accepted your love into their life. Help them to see how much you love them. And may they now be willing to say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me and for paying for my sin. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. I want to follow you. And we know you'll hear that prayer of faith. We want your will to be done in these moments now, Lord. You lead us and help us to follow you in the way that you lead. And we will praise you For all that you do in our lives. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.